2: And um, yeah, it finished 1-0 to the Reds. A very, very special result for me personally because it is um, Benina Caza birthday. She's eight years old. So um, it was, and, uh, and we beat Crystal Palace that day. Where back when Brendan Rodgers was in charge, we've been through the thick and thin, and um, here we are, Liverpool beating West Ham. But my word, they didn't half make it hard for themselves. And there's plenty of talking points. And let's get straight into it. Let me introduce my guest first up. I'm delighted to be joined again on this podcast with the smooth tones of Mr. John Buskell John. Add a bit of class and glamour to my show. Good
0: evening, Nina. It's so nice to be here.
2: Yeah, he's the Tiago Alcantara of voices. I said it. And joining John Buskell on this podcast, I am delighted to have on the first time on the Nina Kaza show this season. Had to make a tactical sub. I get them right. Klopp's quite questionable today, but we'll get into that on the podcast. I am joined by the host of a tad predictable podcast, Mr. Tadiva. Welcome back.
3: The prodigal son returns, Nina. It's been way too long.
2: He absolutely, absolutely. And if we're going to call you like a super sub and all this and all that, then we've got to think of a good, um, you know, a, a classic iconic sub for you as well. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like a... Who's been a really, really classic iconic sub for Liverpool? I don't want to say I'll that. You know, i was thinking, Divock. I was thinking Divock as well. <laughs> I can't lie. I was thinking Divock. Um, but obviously, um, I don't... I, Divok is only here for the moment, so you actually bring a lot of class throughout. So there you go, you, you score on the one up sh- on the one the one up ship there. Right, let's get into this. Right guys, I do have a caller, I'll get to him in a minute. Guys, how do you feel after that? And I just want to get your initial reactions because first half I felt very calm, composed, controlled. Felt like it towards the end of the second half they kinda of got into it. The second half I'm just like, oh, and breathe. It's one of them. Roller <laughs> I come to you first, Tadeva
3: my first thought was job done because um, the way I looked at this game was if we don't win it, the city result is not as emphatic as it needed to be Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it's objectively, we would have probably gotten from the two games would have looked at hope to get four. If we get six amazing, but at least four points would be great. Now we've got six out of six. So that that's a fantastic um, outcome. A bit a bit squeaky bum time in the second half, but I think the important thing was just to get the points on the board, to get all six onto the board uh, in this game.
2: Absolutely. And I guess this was, again, another quite... You know, it's worth noting that West Ham are actually a, quite a good team, you know, OK, they've not been great at the beginning of the season, but it was great to kind of get the points against them. But yeah, I was absolutely spitting feathers um, in, in the second half, um, making it hard for ourselves. And, you know, just some old flashbacks were coming back, but very pragmatic of you. And it's great to have those six points. And John, I'll come to you. How do you feel after that? Just like it's over now, just like the, the overriding feeling and the emotion?
0: um i mean of course fantastic to get the three points that's the most important thing about the whole thing but i think there's lots lots to pick over after that but desperately pleased we've got the three points thankfully
2: that's what it's all about isn't it and uh great to build into that early kickoff on saturday against nottingham forest right let's we'll talk about the game but first up we do have a caller a familiar voice on the nina caza show doesn't need an intro but i will give him one it's mr kieran reed kieran welcome to the show
3: thank you very much
2: no it's a pleasure having you you know what you you know the drill on the nina caza show so take it away um i thought it was a uh...
3: A very good first half. I thought we were very much mm. on top. Um, mm. I'm glad that Darwin got the goal, and you know because I, I thought he'd been. I thought in previous games he'd been playing well. The only one thing he lacked was the goal. I'm glad he got that tonight. Um, um, second half was very, very, very nervy and hard to watch at times because I just thought we um, were a bit. Um, we were very poor second half, first no doubt. But I thought. Um, I think the only main thing is, is that we held out, thankfully, for the three points. And like you said before, that's now two ones back-to-back. Back. So hopefully now we can make it three ones from three on Saturday.
2: He is hoping. Yeah, summarised perfectly there, Kevin. Um, Definitely we will discuss some of those points. And of course, Darwin Nunes' involvement in this game and the goal as well. But thank you so much for calling. Appreciate yeah, thank it.
3: Thank you very so much.
2: Wonderful. Okay, so let's get into it. And John, I'm going to come to you first. We're going to start from right at the top. Of course, you know the Man City game was flawless, but again, the it, we always have a bittersweet, and it was the Diogo Jota injury. So we were all really intrigued as to what Jurgen Klopp's going to do, and you know Trent came on as well, and would he start with him? So the starting lineup: Alison Becker, um, Alexander Arnold, and, Alexander Arnold, right back, Gomez, Van Dijk, Chimikas, uh, Henderson and Thiago, and then of you know, playing Salah and Cavallo on the wider areas and Firmino and Darwin Nunes Central. I mean, what did you make of our line up? And my initial I'll let you read in mind, I was initially concerned will we have that old Lurgy of Salah being hogging you know, being told to hog the touchline again, which obviously didn't happen, but what did you make of the to- what did you make of the starting lineup?
0: I- I think it was pretty much what I expected. I wasn't sure whether he would rest, uh, Tiago or Fab, given the number of performances the guys have put in of late, given that their legs are not always fantastic. No, I thought the team selection was good. I thought it was a vote of confidence to give Cavallo a starting, a starting place. Uh, he's not started for quite a while now. It seems to my, my memory. Um, yeah, I was pretty pleased with that. And I think it was natural that Samikas came in instead of Robbo because I felt too, You know, we do have a tendency to push our players. We want them back. I think that was my concern about bringing Trent back, supposedly had a serious injury. Then he appears on the bench just a few days later. Um, And he really, he ran a lot. So I, I was a bit concerned that he was appearing, but I didn't want to see James Milner again, although he played fantastically at the weekend. I just don't think it was... I don't think he he could have put in another another straight top level performance at right back. So yeah, pretty much what I expected. Nice to see Cavaliere getting the nod and and the start up there. And also it was good to see Darwin start.
2: And what about you, Tadiva? Any surprises in the lineup? I'm I'm really struggling to think. When was the last time Cavaliere started in the Premier League? I know he started against Rangers, but like I guess there's so many games right now that your head just got into a brain fog. But what did you make of the starting line-up? And uh, Klopp really didn't really have much room for flexibility, did he?
3: That's the thing. I, I don't think he had any or, or many choices to make in this game, either because of injuries or because of just managing the minutes of players. Um, we know that midfield three is going to get rotated. They need to get rotated um, because it, it's quite thin in there. Um yeah, I agree with John in terms of Milner. You don't want him to do back-to-back performances. Um you know, you you keep that that brilliant performance over the weekend in the bank against Man City and then let him come on later on in the game. That's perfectly fine. Uh Nunes coming in, I think obviously with Jota going down and also just rotation, it makes sense. Carvalho is the big call, I guess, uh for Klopp, but I think he's shown enough reason that we can trust him to to start games and play a role in this team especially with the likes of Curtis Jones coming back from injury I think if if Curtis Jones had been playing and in the rotation for a while he probably gets the nod in this game but yeah I, I don't think Klopp had too many choices in this one and I don't think we can be too fussy or too picky Um, with the choices that he's making starting the games just because there are too many games that these guys are playing at the moment.
2: Yeah, that's the thing now. That is it, you know. Um, And also, you know, it's about risk assessment as well and the injuries and you really don't want to, you know, hinder yourself even more when you are limited with the kind of players that you have. It does make sense for Klopp to kind of, you know, change things up and, you know, having to rest certain players um right i'm gonna to come to you john so let's talk about liverpool's start i mean the first half let's talk about this because i thought it was a really really bright start from the reds if i'm absolutely honest with you um i don't think they were at their you know tenacious best they just looked very composed very controlled very assured with themselves
0: yeah that's pretty much my take on it i thought we started we started well apart from allison's I don't know what you want to call it, his ability to, inane ability sometimes to just play a pass out from his, his goal line to one of the other players on the other side. And he did that like at two minutes. And then I, I was scribbling at seven minutes, Allison again on my, my, my notebook there. But I think it's almost like Klopp has said to them or that the team themselves had decided we're not going to concede within the first five minutes again. Although Alison seemed to go against that. But they were passing it around. They kept the ball. The pace was quite slow to begin with. And I really felt that, okay, after the, the Helen gunfire of, of the city match, it was almost like, let's, let's come out here. Let's not rush at it. Let's build a platform to go forward because I think they, they will have known that mistakes. Would come up from West Ham that there would be openings. So I thought it was a very positive start to the match from the team. It wasn't gung ho, but it was controlling the ball, controlling the passing, moving it around the pitch very, very nicely. Um, I think at about nine minutes in, Trent makes a great ball. He comes up on the right there. He, he sort of flashes a ball into the box. And, and I really felt because I'd had hesitations about, you know, I, I wasn't sure if Trent was going to be fully fit. But I I really felt at that point that, you know, Trent's beginning to take an integral role in our creativity on the pitch. And then as he took more of a creative role early on, I felt, well, you know, we've established a good platform, controlled the the passing, lots of pass and move, which I love to see. And then we were beginning to open things up a bit. So, I mean, it was a good it was a good start. It was only Alison that made me kind of think, oh, no, how is the match going to be? But then he saved it later.
2: He did? He did. Um, he came through. And Tadiva, I'll come to you. I mean, what did you make of the red start? And, you know, I was very, very intrigued to see, like I said, my concern was more Salah out, outright again. And, um, John there just highlighting, you know, Trent's involvement. And I was kind of noticing a lot, of, a lot of overlapping on the right hand side, allowing and affording Salah to get a bit more central and to work a bit more with the front men. Um, I want to get your thoughts on, on the red start.
3: Yeah, um, I think John mentioned the Allison start, which it, it happens at times. You you take that risk with a, a keeper that plays out the back. There are going to be games where they're going to be misplaced passes. Um, yeah, I think the biggest concern maybe in the starting lineup was Salah going out wide again, um, and you know having having to run the touchline with the linesman again was was something I was not looking forward to, but if you do have someone overlapping on that side it allows him to come inside because then that space is being occupied by someone and and he can go occupy another space I think the thing you mentioned with regards to not conceding was important and I think we saw that especially with Trent in this game early on he wasn't bombarding as much as we're used to seeing him Um, he was happy to sort of just if he goes past the halfway line, he's not going too far away from it. Um, and it's basically the thing that happens when, you know, with, with maybe how you approach a league season is you can't win the league at the beginning of the season, but you can certainly lose it. And the approach in this game was similar fashion of, okay, guys, we we, we're capable of winning this game as long as we don't make it harder for ourselves. So, let's not go gung-ho in the first half in terms of trying to you know go ultra attacking and and bombing all of our players forward let's be composed let's trust the attacking players we do have up front Um, because I I noticed even with the likes of Henderson it was only in the second half when I really noticed Henderson making those runs beyond our front players whereas in the first half he was quite reserved so I, I do think there was something to that and to be fair, I think it suits a lot of our players that we have at the moment. Um, Salah likes the ball, you know, at it getting the ball deep and running at players at pace. Uh, Darwin Nunes certainly likes to have space in front of himself. Um, and then the likes of Cavalio, they can run from deep. So I think with the players that we have, with the age of some of the other players in our squad, this system is suiting us where we're not being as risky at the beginning and just trusting that we've got enough talent to get it over the line.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and John, I'm going to come to you and I want to talk about the strikers because, of course, you know, I think, you know, there's been a lot of um, focus on, you know, our, our new signing in Darwin, Nunes and, um, you know, uh, and how that front three functioned. I actually was pretty impressed with, How they were kind of linking up and finding each other. I love the fact that, you know, um, Nunes looked really, really confident in football. I like the fact that Salah was actually cutting in. Um, I felt like Cavalier probably had the slowest start in terms of attack. Um, And Roberto Firmino, for me, was the guy that was kind of pulling the strings. I thought he had some majestic little passes and little touches that enabled um you know his strikers to get in you know ahead of him and get into, into really good positions I mean you know Nunez was really really adventurous today you know taking you know t- taking a shot on the volley and you know rattling the crossbar in another instance and uh, of course we'll get to the goal but I felt like the attack looked very much cohesive and like it was clicking and it was working together
0: yeah I think so I think when I saw the lineup my initial concern was that well who would he bring on off the bench if he yeah. wanted to turn it around yes. that was the that was the only mm-hmm. thing but i felt i think it's a nod of confidence to give cavallo a start and i think he shows he's got the legs that bobby doesn't have anymore uh cavallo has he he's got pace although bobby is he, is he seems to be he sort of slinks into the box really well but it's almost like we've got an a range of skills of those four players rather than having absolute individual quality. And, and of course, these players do have individual quality. They're phenomenal footballers. But what I'm trying to get across here is that it's almost like Klopp is focusing on the system, the striking system, a system of four players working together, taking up particular roles, rather than the sort of traditional well, the front three as we were with, with Mane and, and Firmino and and, and Salah in their, their pomp or with Jota who seems to work the... He's more in the, the mould of the poacher. So I thought it was quite interesting. I don't know... I, I I don't know whether this will be the way going forward in many matches. I think we'll see it again and again, particularly against teams when we can play on the counter because West Ham... Really did push up much more than I expected. They left gaps, and I think by starting the match with the four players, those four, I think Klopp was giving us the maximum opportunity to get the goals. I think what we saw in the second half was the downside of the selection that Klopp made, that if the goals aren't forthcoming suddenly you've not got something to to make a change to sort of really turn it around, other than taking people off and trying to sort of, you know, maybe push Mo through the middle or use Harvey to to play in off the right. But I, I don't know. I think it's a conundrum that we're not going to find the answer to this season. I think it's going to be the ongoing story of this season, working out, finding out how the players work together. What I will say in talking about the strikers and I'm sure we're gonna come on to talk more about Darwin as it is. I love that rawness that, that he brings to to our strike force. I, I really like the rawness there. He's not he's not producing what I want him to produce, but I think he's got something special. I think that's what I had to say about this the setup really of the strikers.
2: I like it, John. And Tadeev, I'm going to come to you. I mean, that was initially my concern as well. You know, Klopp, you know, put, throwing out all his aces, as it were. But like we know, he doesn't have the options. He's got two strikers out injured. You know, two huge names injured as well, by the way. It's worth noting, you know, the... And I was like, well, do, do you think maybe Klopp's just kind of, like, he, he's got to have that approach where he's going to have to start his strikers. So they come out sharp. They come out with intense, with with intent and purpose be absolutely devastating like the old school team of Fergie you know Manchester United where you absolutely give some devastating blows and they can take off your best players. is that the approach that Jurgen Klopp's going to have to do in terms of managing minutes in terms of um, uh, you know maintaining injuries so we don't get injured and also because he really doesn't have options off the bench and um, I'd like to just get your thoughts just in terms of what you made of the strikers and the blend of them.
3: I think the blend is fine, um, especially with the way Firmino is playing this season. The, he's got his last dance, sort of jig going on at the moment, which is really fun to see. So he he's playing well. I I think it's a it's it's a mixture of both because one managing the minutes and two, I think this game is heavily influenced by the Man City game in terms of Klopp would have want, put the team out that he wants to play in that man city game and then depending on how the players would have reacted this week um you know in the recovery sessions in in the training sessions leading up to this game it's then a matter of seeing okay who's fit who's recovered well who's you know feeling a bit of niggles or something or the legs are feeling a bit heavy and then you make the changes from that um so yeah again is it a risk um you know going heavy from the beginning Yes, it could be, but also, what's the alternative? Uh, If we split this this front four up into two, then we're not really getting the most out of it. I I would prefer to, you know, this method of going with, in inverted commas, our strongest front four at the moment, um, seeing how many goals they can get, hoping that you know they get at least two goals, and then if we need to bring people off the bench, we can. yeah, opposed to splitting I think them up. He's got that
2: luxury. I don't think he's even got that luxury of playing two strikers because if he's playing two strikers, he needs more bodies in the midfield, which he doesn't have.
3: Yeah, it it it's a tough situation to be in. Uh, but I, I think the only change that maybe could be made is Harvey Elliott in for Cavaliere. But then again, Harvey plays on the right hand side. Um, who's then going to play on the left? Do we want Firmino to play there or? what then becomes of you know the shape of, of that front four, so to speak. So I, I I think his hands are a bit tied at the moment. Just play the players that are available, hope they get the goals. But we saw in this game something that could become a pattern going forward until we get the likes of Jota and Luis Diaz back, is we don't have the firepower we used to have coming off the bench. So... Some of these games could become draws. Some of these games could become losses where we're not going to be able to put teams away. And that's just the reality of the situation, I think, at the moment. We're going to have to accept that some of these games are going to turn into draws, I think. Isn't
0: it, a, sorry to interrupt here, but isn't it a case, really, that? You know, if you, the, with the, 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 that whole idea of building the car as you're driving the car. I do kind of feel that that's what Klopp's having to do just because of the situation with the, the team. You know, Darwin is not a direct swap for Mane. Uh, Cavaliere has a sense of physicality about him, but he's got, for me, he's got pace and integrity, um, uh, pace and intention. He seems to move very, very well. Whereas I think that Darwin's got that physicality that Mane maybe had, maybe an even a next step there. But it, it's 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 almost like he hasn't, Klopp hasn't settled on the best setup for our strike force. Yet, and that's going to take time. When we had the front th- front three, that the first side that really clicked for him, when he had that system that worked, the players that worked, it was used again and again and again. And of course, there are always instances where one of them dropped to the bench, and and someone else was playing. But it it, it really does feel to me at the moment he's building the car as he's driving the car. And as you rightly say, we we I think we're going to have to. And I think we see that this evening. We're going to have to fly by the edge of our pants or, you know, whatever the expression is at times because it wasn't quite working. We did need a striker coming on second half. I would have loved an in-form uh, Jota coming in who would have maybe taken one of those chances that bobbled around the box that Bobby knocked over that Salah didn't quite get. I, I, I think for me that that's exactly where we're at. We're going to get those draws. We, we're maybe going to lose because we haven't got the the strikers that we need but it will come but at the same time it's going to be an uneasy journey for us as supporters
2: it really is, and uh, you know, you were just speaking about the front three there, you know, and the the first front three that Jurgen Klopp had. And I remember they needed a little time to kind of click as well. I remember the first season where we all got them together, and you know, we were like, it is going to click; it's just a matter of time. I don't think, they, you know, they they weren't at their full best to begin with. It took, you know, there was a little teething problems. You know, they probably weren't getting as many goals as we'd anticipate. But it did come together. So I just think, yeah, patience is a thing. Um, It is a shame that we don't have the options off the bench to change the game because I felt like, you know, if we had an attacking response to this game, I think, you know, it would have asked very, very different questions of of West Ham because, you know, um, I I felt like, you know... it would have maybe affected how David Moyes would have made his subs and how they'd play as well because I thought he had a bit of a field day certainly in the second half with how things panned out. Right, let's carry on talking then. And Tadeev, I'm gonna come to you. I mean, we're talking about the first half and I, I think I said it initially, um there wasn't much um you know, I felt like for a majority of it, Liverpool were doing the, you know, pretty much a back to basic kind of thing, sticking to the assignment. Um, you know being compact working as a team and not to the not to the level and not to the professionalism and to the high standard that they did against Man City Um, I felt like sometimes they did drop the ball a bit you know like we spoke about the Alison Becker fumble and we'll get into the penalty shout and all that and players being caught out of position but I felt like the Liverpool in that first half did really well didn't really break a sweat and West Ham just didn't pose any threat to our defense. It was almost like coasting.
3: I think it helped us that West Ham are also trying to find themselves this season.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, last season they gave us a lot of uh, issues, but yeah, this season they've been struggling, and they also don't know what their strongest eleven is at the moment. So, it, 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 I think it played into our hands in this game. It allowed us to grow in confidence and grow into the game a lot more. Um, yeah, they they didn't offer too much going forward, which helped us, as I said, grow into the game and be more comfortable in it. And it's similar to sort of what we saw well, or what we've seen with Arsenal this season, where some of the teams they've played haven't been that good, but they've just gotten the points on the board. At this point in time, we just play the teams that are in front of us. And I think after the City game, we've got a good run of games where we can start to maybe take more risks or at least get people more ingrained into the system against a a more comfortable fixture list than if we had thrown this system in maybe a couple of games earlier it it, it might have been a bit hectic so i think yeah it, it's it's sort of luck of the draw from that sense for for them i think they will be disappointed with how much respect they gave us um i don't know if it's a if, if it's a van dyke aura thing but we saw it with holland in in the man city game where he looked a shell of himself in that one and we've heard holland in the past say van dyke's you know the the toughest opponent he's had but it was very similar with skamaka like he's been getting better and better for west yes. ham recently mm-hmm. yep. and in this game he was very quiet i look if if that aura is coming back around van dyke that then that's perfect for us but yeah, I, I did not see much from West Ham that worried me. Um, even in the second half, where we started to tail off a bit, I was saying to to Jody that, look, yes, they're getting more possession and stuff, but they're not really scaring us. The only worry is that it's one nil, so they've got a puncher's chance. There's every chance that you know the ball could roll into the net, but they weren't really, you know, firing on all cylinders. I didn't feel.
2: No, they didn't. And uh, of course, on, on their team as well, I don't think Paqueta started, did he? And Fornals, who's a good player, I thought was quite quiet as well. So, yeah, there were some things and uh, I felt like the midfield was very, very easy for the likes of Thiago and, and Hendo. I, I felt like they weren't really doing much. Even Dexon Rice in bits, in, in bursts, was having a bit of joy against us in the first half. But to to no end product, I mean, what did you make of it, Uh john i'll I'll come to you now what do, you know what what did you make of that? I felt like it it was kind of made a little easy for us as well, which I'm not complaining about
0: yeah, I think do you mean specifically about the midfield or the the kind of football that West Ham were playing to to create their own chances?
2: Both, actually, you know, because obviously the game is won and lost in midfield, as cliche as it sounds, but like, <laughs> I just, I am such an obvious in to today, sorry people, you know, cancel me all you want, but I just felt like overall, like the defence wasn't asked any questions and I think uh, Tadivas hit the nail on the head, Skamaka was really quiet, he didn't really get the service, Um, you know, um I felt like our midfield just, uh, Thiago was just playing some gorgeous passes to our front men and, you know, Henderson, I think was probably Doing okay in like wasn't really offensive, as one of you two pointed out in the first half. Mm. So, and the attack for me were just playing really, really some nice passes in their box.
0: I mean, for me, I I sort of written down in my notes. You know, I, I really felt that Thiago was really pulling the strings. He, you know, he is just majestic. You know, he's so beautiful to watch. The way that he carries himself, the way he seems to have well, not just one or two seconds, but it almost feels like months on the ball sometimes to sort of, you know, just almost like stroke the ball across the pitch. It was really beautiful. And he was, I think I felt that if we were going to have a, if we were going to break through, it was going to come from something that Tiago was doing, whether it was playing it through to the, the, the guys just ahead, just behind the strikers, but no, he was really picking pockets, but to turn it the other way around, I felt that West Ham were always capable of hitting us on 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 the counter. I'm a big fan of Jordan Henderson. It always feels like you have to say whether whether you do love Jordan Henderson or not, but I'm a big fan of Jordan Henderson. But one of the things that I felt this season is that, you know, the the year the years are beginning to show a little bit. And I th- I felt with the role that Henderson was playing in midfield this evening.
1: Are you that person who has everything? and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index.
0: He was trying to be the enforcer. He was trying to be creative. He was trying to protect Trent. I felt he was also trying to protect Cavalleri at times and I felt that Henderson for all his experience for for the the great footballer that he is that he was wandering around the midfield and as he wandered clearly unsure of the role that he was playing or if he'd forgotten the role that he was playing I don't, I don't know it it seemed to me that that's where the openings were coming through it was the positioning of 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 Henderson it was the the bits when he showed aggression going for the the tackle to break up the play, the ball got away from him and something opened up again. So I I, I felt that the midfield our midfield was working. I felt that Tiago lifted it above the bar, was beautiful to watch, but I was also cognizant of the fact that I was concerned that Henderson seemed to be I don't want to say running around like a headless chicken, but he seemed to be running around trying to put fires out and to create things and to jivvy people along and to watch for the cat ca- that, that that's where the problem was. It was For me, it didn't feel like a great performance from someone that I have really cheered on and enjoyed watching for so many years. I don't know what you guys felt about that, but that's where I felt that as well as the set pieces that that West Ham could really find a way through.
2: Deva, your thoughts on that? Because one of the things that really impressed me against the Man City performance and result was um, everyone had a specific role and they they fulfilled it to the best of ability, which meant that individual errors were cancelled out. Uh, You didn't notice them because everyone was performing to their peak ability and to the best that they could. Jordan Henderson, I think, you know, even though, like, the one thing, you know, I, I think there's a massive debate about Jordan Henderson. But the one thing that everyone used to agree on way back when was the fact that his um, work ethic was unquestionable. You know, um, whether you rated him as a foot- rate him as a footballer or you didn't, you could never ever say that he didn't give it his all. Like, he'd run around, he'd chase the ball, he'd try pressing, he'd do all them things. I feel like that's gone on a decline now. And I feel like, you know, a lot of things kind of bypass him. I kind of noticed that in the second half as well, when, when um, uh, you know, it was... Um, I think it was in the second half when, um, uh, again, you know, West Ham came on to us. I think his positional awareness um, in the box and just letting players just turn him and stuff. I feel like he wants to do everything and he can't really quite do it. And I think the blend of Thiago and um, Henderson isn't the best as well.
3: Yeah, and... The thing is, as you mentioned, with his, you know, you can't question his work work ethic and and all of that stuff. It's still there, the high work ethic and everything. It's just his body can't do okay. it to yeah. the level that that he used to be able to do it at. And sometimes it looks like he forgets we're playing a two. Man midfield um and, and he, he reverts back to doing things that you'd expect from someone playing in a three-man midfield. And maybe that's something that will, you know, it, it takes adjusting at times, especially in situations where you're playing on instinct, it's possible that you revolt to default. And he's played a lot of football under Klopp. And a lot of that football was in a three. So I think it's very, very easy for him to revert back to that. Obviously, you hope that it it doesn't happen too often and that it doesn't cost the team. But I think this two-man midfield going forward is going to be better for him, especially if we see um, a more reserved performance from him. Uh, I thought uh, in the second half, he was given more license to go forward. We saw him intentionally running into the box uh quite a bit which we didn't see in the first half but yeah i think it's it's more to do with maybe him reverting to default at times when he's playing on instinct because he's just so used to playing in a three and you hope that either he gets that out of his system quickly or we don't concede goals whenever that happens because um that i think in the arsenal game was it he, he we conceded from him having that lapse in judgment where he he was playing like he was playing in a in a three again but these are the small things that i think go under the radar for a lot of for for players when when we look at their performances is what system they're used to playing what their default you know positions on the pitch are for some players it comes natural to be able to switch and you know and 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 be able to take on board the different tactics and and the different roles you're being asked to do for others it takes a bit more time maybe he's one of those players where it does take a bit more time for him to get used to um the instructions that he's being asked to perform on the pitch or just to get it ingrained into a system where it's coming natural for him to be in those spaces be in those positions um that that will help us when he's playing in a 2 can i can i just ask a
0: question here what you guys feel about this really because it strikes me that we're in a bit of a conundrum do you think that jordan henderson is going to be able to transition from being you know he's for me for me he's been a bit like a captain marvel you know he's done everything he's been the absolute heartbeat of the side he really has been fantastic captain following Stephen Gerrard, you know i can't think of a a more difficult task he has been amazing he's very vocal he's he's a real leader but now when when you get older as a player there is that transitioning period and i felt for one there was a real sadness in seeing the decline of stevie and i i i think he found it very difficult to cope with are we seeing the beginnings here of, of of Henderson's transition as he's as he gets older? He's got huge amounts of experience. He's incredibly tactical. But do you guys do you guys see that? Is he going to be able to play the Jordan Henderson role for just forty minutes, for just sixty minutes, or to come on for just twenty minutes? Or is he is he is he going to struggle to adapt as he's as he is unable to, to to play as he has before? Because I think this is a really important issue in terms of what Klopp is doing with the side as we go forward. We are transitioning. He's relied on his generals, his leaders, and and now the leaders are beginning to fail him.
2: Hmm. I'm going to come to Tadeva on this. I'll just give my quick thoughts on it. I think he should have been phased out about two years ago. You know that like the 40 minutes that John's talking about there, I think that should have happened two seasons ago. Um, definitely now. Um, I don't think he's got the legs to do it anymore. And like, I think we're one of like, the, the, I think one of the problems that we've had this season, injuries aside, is, um, you know, the, the, the refresh of, of, of players, you know, like you've got to slowly transition and bring in. And the fact that we've already bought in, I think somebody highlighted it on the post match on Discord. I think it was Kevin actually in the chat who said we've only bought one midfielder in four years. I are ignoring Arthur Mello because. I think he's a myth right now, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's injured before he's even played. You know, like I'm not going to go there. Um, but for me, like I feel like that's the one place that we've failed to kind of invest in, and the fact that club systems require so much like running and distance being covered. I don't think he's got it in him anymore. And the fact that, you know, as James Milner, I mean, he came on as a sub today and he was, he was great in what he did. Do you know what I mean? And he was, you know, he was very good against Man City, you know, call it what it is. But those kind of players should not, should not be your, your, um, your go to guys when you are up against, um, uh, a Man City side and you're trying to challenge. But Tadiva, I'll come to you because you're much more insightful. It-
3: I think it's an it's an interesting almost microcosm of the Klopp era now is Jordan Henderson. Jordan Henderson basically Absolutely. for me, he 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 shows us exactly what's happening before our eyes. With Klopp, um, you know, the the squad has come to an age where we either needed to refresh the squad if you want to still play the same system or adapt the way you play to suit The squad you now have and and the age of some of the players that you now have Mm -hmm. it's going to be the same thing with Henderson he either needs to move clubs because I don't think he'll be able to play the role he's played before at the level he wants to play at Liverpool or except you know except being a squad player in in that sense that okay I come on for the 30 minutes the 20 minutes sort of become a james milner type player that you take your minutes when you get them or he needs to adapt the way he plays the game because he his his body just can't do it anymore he doesn't have that juice left in him to be able to give those high energy games that that he he's well known for and it's gonna be interesting to see how long it takes him to decide which which route he takes because we've seen with klopp it it took most of this season to decide, and some people would argue that last season he should have already started shifting the way we we played. But it took Klopp a long time before he moved to this 4-2-3 where He was not letting go of the four three three, despite the glaring, you know, things that we were seeing in games and and the need to be able to switch. So it will be interesting, and I think it's for Henderson to decide how he goes about it. The thing for me, though in that is we know regardless of what anybody thinks about Jordan Henderson the most important person is going to be Klopp because Klopp picks the teams and Klopp has shown you know the precedent is there Henderson's going to start a lot more games than maybe some people might want him to start so he's going to play um and he we just need to hope that he decides whichever avenue he goes down in terms of does he adjust his game or does he accept a lesser role in the team um going forward because if 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 it continues the way it's continuing where klopp is going to keep playing him and henderson's going to think you know going to keep thinking he's henderson from 3 4 years ago that's going to lead to us conceding goals and and hope and we just have to hope that it's not in crucial games but yeah he effectively has to pick a struggle he either needs to you know adjust the way he plays and As I said, I I still think in a two, he he could be very useful as the more defensive-minded, reserved player where he needs his energy in maybe 50% of the times um, that he would have if he was that lung-busting eight in a three. Um, Then maybe he can prolong his his stay as, as a Liverpool mainstay. But yeah, I just think... We've seen with Klopp as well in the past with other players, you know, the likes of Lovrens and Lalana's, et cetera, where when Klopp's playing players, they're just going to play a lot more minutes, certainly a lot more minutes than I think they should be playing. But Klopp's just going to play them. Unless you take those players out of Klopp's hands (laughs) and it's no longer an option for him to play them, he's going to play his trusted uh, lieutenants. Um, So, yeah, uh, for me, which course should Henderson take? I think he's capable of adjusting his game to be a more reserved um more reserved player where well Klopp's going to start him in big games anyway so where Klopp starts him in games but he knows that he's a limited player so when he gets the ball he's looking to give it to other people to do stuff rather than him putting the pressure on himself to do stuff and then also knowing, okay, I don't need to make the lung-busting runs anymore because I'm not going to be able to get back in defence. Just focus on becoming a more well-rounded defensive midfielder and then take it from there.
2: Yeah, I've got some um, stats, and match stats from um, Footmob, and he won two out of three tackles. One He got one clearance, one interception, eight recoveries, ground duels. He won four out of four. Aerial duels, he won one out of two. And that is pretty much it. And he created two chances and he had two shots, which we know about. And I think they were largely down to um, his involvement in the second half. So, yeah, um, that's Jordan Henderson there. It's a conundrum. I think Klopp does have a loyalty to him. And I, I also think that Jordan Henderson probably... Has that professionalism where he still thinks that he can still go on. So it's a sticky one. Somebody's going to have to, someone's going to have to call that one. You know, someone's going to have the balls to say, you know what, enough is enough, and I do hope it is Jurgen Klopp because ultimately he is the manager. So um, anyway, enough about that. Yeah, Let's just
3: get- one more thing on on that. The interesting hmm. thing is Henderson's his whole career. He's been told he's not good enough, etc. Um, he's faced a lot of criticism. So. If he's starting to face criticism now of like, you know, he's too old or he's not good enough, whatever, it's probably going to, uh, you know, he he's probably just going to re- return to default of being defiant. Like, I've been defiant my whole career. I've proved them wrong my whole career. So it, there's every chance that he doesn't change just because, you know, I've heard these critics my entire career. Why should I listen to them now?
2: Well, he needs to because he's old now. He's not a 23-year-old boy. If somebody says, you are too old, that is nature taking its cause on you.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I just think with his mentality, with the with what he's faced in his career, I, I think he's going to be defiant.
2: Yeah, but I, I mean, if he's defiant and he turns up a notch and he turns amazing, brilliant, nobody's happier than us Liverpool supporters. But if he's... I'm not being funny. He cannot deny the fact that he's getting old. That is very, very normal. It's natural.
3: I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady, but Tom Brady hasn't accepted he's getting old. No,
2: he hasn't. I don't watch NFL, and even I know of that one. So there you go. That is,
0: yeah. <laughs> we, put it, we put it in the context of this evening's match, right? It's like, it's. It, I think one of the things that we're really saying in our discussion here is the risk, that sense of risk in the match, it, it reflects, because we started out talking about, you know, how West Ham were doing in the midfield. And I think we've we've fallen into that standard discussion of of Henderson. But I think what we're really talking about here is that we are a nice football team with a nice bunch of lads. And, oh God, I hate this, but, you know, back in the day, you know, I'm an old guy, I'm 52. You know, the likes of Paisley, the likes of, you know, Joe Faye, th- we weren't nice. It was like you, you, <laughs> the, the managers. If if the players messed up, they they were gone. They were done. You know, I've I've watched some of the absolute greats be phased out way but be, way before their time. In it, it felt to me. You know, my the, you know as a schoolboy, you had these players. You, this is where we're at now. You know, they do a great job, but is is the 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 struggle that the struggle. The issue, the conundrum that the club is going through at the moment is Liverpool Football Club. We are a bunch of serial winners. Absolutely, this these, these sides have created something fantastic. But we've not yet seen a successful transition in the club since the Paisley, Keegan... Sorry, the Paisley-Kenny era. Not really. Hulia had moments of absolute peaks, and then it fell apart. Benitez had moments of absolute peaks, and then it fell apart. Klopp, he's taken us even higher. Fantastic results, championships, cups. But this is the really big test here. And I just wonder, you know, it doesn't matter what Henderson wants or what whoever wants, it's what Jurgen Klopp the managerial, you know, side of things. And I felt that if West Ham were gonna find a way back in today's tonight's match, it was because we were un we were unable to to be sufficiently hard nosed to knock them off the park. And I don't mean in a physical sense. I just felt that we kept giving them chances. I wanted the I wanted the team to own the pitch.
2: Yeah, I think the reason why he gets away in in that first half a lot was um, purely down to the fact that I don't think that midfield, you know, I think Thiago was cruising it and I don't think that they cottoned on to the fact that you could get into Jordan Henderson. I've got a a Discord message here from Dave Tattoo. Hendo, a 20-minute player, playing Man City with without Henderson shows Klopp knows that it's, you know, they do play better without Henderson. I just paraphrased you there. I do apologize. Right, John, I'm gonna stick with you. Let's talk about some of the positives. Darwin Nunes, you wanted to talk about him a bit um also Lisa Marie agrees with you, John. But John, I want to get your thoughts on Darwin Nunes starts. Um a player that um I think is a little bit uh, we were talking about uh divisive players. Um here's another one, Darwin Nunes. What did you make of him today? What did you make of him in that half? Um I thought we looked really, really good. I thought he looked really good. Um Great pace, um, really. Um, uh, not scared to take on a shot. Uh, some of his touches was were lovely, and um, he's just growing into confidence. You know, like, th- you know, they have Skamaka. We had Darwin Nunes. Um, you know, both strikers are sort of finding their feet. I know. Um, you know, Skamaka scored. I think is it um, uh, three goals now. Is it or something? And of yeah. course, uh, Darwin Nunes is kind of finding his way, but his involvement in the game today, the threat that he is, and that goal that he scored um, and the build-up to that, because he had a few um, nice chances before he got there.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm I'm really curious every time he starts, every time he comes onto the pitch. I am so curious to see how he does, because for me, he's raw. I was very impressed when we, we saw him play in the Champions League against us last season. He was fun. I thought he was fantastic. He was one of the players that caught my eye. I think this evening, aside from the goal, it's the it's the volley he makes earlier in the first half. Uh is it a half volley where the keeper makes a save, knocks it over? And I just thought, you know <laughs> Sorry. But he was almost like a stallion running onto the ball and you know, at full stretch. The f- we haven't had this kind of physical prowess that is so strong, so pacey, can drop you can lose him. Them- he, there's some something of Torres you know I, I, I mean Torres is a, a completely different level for me at the moment but there is something special about Darwin it's almost like you're waiting for it to all click and the goal was for I'm so pleased to see him get the goal this evening you can see himself that he was he was made up for, for getting it but he almost feels a bit fragile it's almost like he feels like he wants to do it all himself and there are times when he he maybe should pass. You can say that a striker's got to be selfish to get the goal anyway. I mean, for for God's sake, he's got Salah on the other side of the pitch. He's one of the most selfish, I, deservedly so. He's 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 kept the ball for times. You know, there've been so many times when I've screamed for him to pass. Darwin Nunez is. I think he's got something special. He's not delivering on. He's he's not going to deliver in his first season. But there were flashes this evening more than I've seen hitherto of what he's really got. He can pull away from defenders. He can get that first time shot. That first time shot when he breaks through and, and makes the shot and the keeper saves it. Yeah. So, so 40 ma- minutes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because yeah, so many of our stri- so often Liverpool. We'll take a touch, move it back, play it across the box, take a touch, try and work it, get it to mow. But here was someone that was like, yeah, I've got the ball. I'm going to whack it real hard <laughs> in in a split second. And you saw the fans behind the goal kind of like, whoa, that for me was that's that for me is the future. It is a player, a young player who's strong, who hasn't quite risen to where he's going to go. But he's going to be center stage. I, I I really, I really, it's almost mouthwatering to see where it's going. I'll be, I, you know, I may be wrong. Maybe he'll be, uh, uh, but there's something there. I think it was fantastic. I was really excited to see that performance. But it wasn't the goal that really got me out of my seat. Well, that did, of course. But it was that 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 first shot on, what was it, 14 minutes. It was just yeah. breathtaking.
2: Absolutely. And uh, Tadeev, I'm going to come to you because, of course, um, I'm now convinced that um, Darwin Nunes already oh, wants to score gorgeous goals. And it's a stark difference to the kind of shift he put in against um Rangers at home, where he was, in my opinion, you know... Playing it a bit safe and they were a bit too easy and he wasn't being adventurous. If he found the bottom corners, he would have got a goal and he was just more asked about getting it on target rather than being adventurous. In this game, sandwiched between his two goals, he has like two kind of volley shots. One, the the one that um, John just spoke about and then round about the 38th minute where he smashes the crossbar. But of course, and then the goal that he scored, I mean, even the technique for the head, I mean, gorgeous cross by Chimikas. But the control of that header to get it into the ground, like that impressed I know, me.
3: I don't know which commentator I was listening to, but he was trying to have it that uh, Darwin didn't do that on purpose, that he like misheaded it. And I was like, sorry, well, what, what? I didn't understand what he was watching, but that was definitely on purpose, headed into the ground. It's, you know, the keeper's going to dive that way, but it's going to bounce off the ground and going to the top corner I, I thought that was on purpose um from from the highlights that i saw and from the way i saw the goal but yeah john's right in how exciting darwin nunez is and i think the unfortunate thing for him is you're always going to get those lazy journalists similar to the lazy journalists that say, I know you know, you know, know, can't defend but mm-hmm. he's always going to be compared to holland yeah, as long as Holland's at Man City and Darwin's at Liverpool, they're always going to be compared. it It shouldn't be the case. Um, I think Holland is in the Mbappe type conversations. Nunez is a a rough diamond that could get polished by one of the best development coaches in the world in Jurgen Klopp. So, can Nunez reach his full potential while well, with Jurgen Klopp? I I don't have many doubts that he can reach that level. Um we've seen Jurgen Klopp develop players years on years. So the, the the evidence is there for that. But he's not a finished product, which means he's going to frustrate us. Salah is going to throw his hands in the air many times, you know, for the for for, for the foreseeable future until Darwin does get to that level. Um but what I always say with especially young players or, or, or players that are still very raw is do they at least excite you as much as they frustrate you? And Darwin sure as how frustrates us at times, you know, when he should p- pick his head up and pass or maybe do, do something a certain way. But boy, does he excite me? He he <laughs> yeah. really, really does. And, and that shows that there is something there. And, and John, I, I think you're perfectly right in that there is something special there. And you know, that, that volley that he took, that, it's sort of that youthful exuberance, that kind of arrogance that I'm going to whack this into the top corner. A seasoned professional who maybe hasn't hit the ground running at their new club probably does take a touch there, you know, just to say, okay, let me make this chance easier for myself. The pressure's on me. I haven't been scoring as much as people wanted me to let me play the safe. No, that's what you get with the youthful play. They're going to take the shot. And I think we also need to remember that, some of the teams that Darwin has played at, he would be up there on his own where he's run past people or the blade, the ball's been played, you know, forward to him. So he's used to get your head down, run at the goal and shoot because yeah. no one's going to come and help you. Whereas at Liverpool, people are going to come to help you. Salah's fast enough to keep up with you, mate. Like he's going to learn those things. And, and you know, eventually when he does learn those things it's just going to help him out even more but i think similar to you know like i said with henderson ironing, ironing out things that you you automatically default to that's that's nunez's default is get your head down run towards goal shoot and even small things that they're working with him you can start to see for example in the rangers away game he was placing his shots more Whereas if you look at his default, he's more like Samuel Eto'o where hit the the ball as hard as I can on target. Because I take lots of shots, I'm a volume shooter, three or four of them are going to go in. If I take 10 shots, three or four are going to go in, maybe two or whatever. Opposed to, okay, pick my head up, where's the keeper in the goal? Let me place it to the other side. No, that's not his default. His default is to just get it on target and hit it as hard as I can. So these things will come eventually with him. But yeah, the important thing is he's exciting us, even though he's still raw and he's got one of, if not the best development coach in world football. So he, I, I, I'm not worried about what he could become.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Watch this space. Right, Tadeva, I'm going to stick with you because again, like, you know, the stats, book, I watched it on Amazon Prime uh because obviously that's where the games are showing. So I watched it on there, and they brought up a stat that, you know, at this point, um, I don't think uh, West Ham had a shot on target. So, you know, it was very much cruise control, but I don't think Liverpool were at their fully best. But some drama did happen towards the end, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I mean, Liverpool looked really, really composed, and towards the end, just switched off a little, almost lost their positional awareness, were kind of, you know, I don't know, maybe... um. You know, lost their concentration, but 43 minutes, um, West Ham penalty, Gomez, rightly a penalty. It went to VAR. And of course, I think in the build up to that, like Chimikas gets caught at possession. Gomez does like a, you know, like, um, dives in onto Suchek. Suchek, I believe, and, um, you know, doesn't really get contact with the ball, has more contact with the man sort of like kind of thing. And it's a penalty. And I'm sat there thinking, oh gosh why and then up steps um the big beautiful brazilian keeper that we have who um has had quite a magnificent week and assist and of course steps up and jared bowen a penalty save i mean it wasn't the best of penalties i give that and i think i want to get your thoughts on this to because i don't think Alison becker's overly grit on penalty saves like,
3: no, I, he's not. No, <laughs> he's I
2: like not. that. That is my like feeling of it. But it was great to see him save a penalty and have that kind of week for him. So I'm delighted. Another clean sheet for um our, our amazing goalkeeper, who's been brilliant it's, this season, by the way.
3: Especially with the shaky start he had at the beginning of the game. And I think part of that goes to the greatness of Alisson is even if he has a bad start to a game, he can shake it off and really just quickly, go on to. Yeah it doesn't take him 3 or 4 games to get over a mistake he can just shake it off and and carry on doing his business um yeah the the penalty is a good height for the goalkeeper um i i thought he telegraphed it a bit with with the way he shaped his body um that it was going to that well keeper's right hand side because the, with the way he opened his body i thought it meant he was going to close his foot at the last second because he opened it up way too much. Um, So yeah, maybe something for him to work on with that one. But I I think the important thing was that we didn't concede then because then that issue of having quite a a shallow bench becomes an issue because at one, one, can we go and get another one? Can we lift, you know, the momentum back up again? I'm not so sure we could. So it, it was vital from Allison to get the, the, the save. I'm really happy. I mean penalties are a lottery at times. So it could have easily gone in. So just just happy on this occasion that he gets the save. And then from Joe Gomez, I, I thought he was like mistakenly channeling his inner Firmino celebration there. There was no need to to go that high um onto a player that's running away from goal. Uh, it it seemed a bit uh a bit needless at the time. So yeah. We'll we'll We'll, we'll take that <laughs> and hope it doesn't happen again. And, yeah, the less the less penalties we concede, the better, because I, I don't think Alisson is a great penalty saver. But on this time, fantastic from him. Got a big, strong pour to it as well, which I think is credit, not just saving it, but credit to get it away from goal, which Allison is already really fantastic at. He really pushed normal saves he gets them out of the area in any case but with penalties so many times we've seen where he just gets the right way but then it just falls back into the middle of the box and someone taps it in so yeah he dies the right way and gets it far away and yeah really really happy for him
2: yeah, great technique then. John, i get your thoughts because, um, I, again, I, I did watch it on Amazon Prime and they were showing Virgil van Dijk scuff the penalty, you know, the spot, like digging, is it like, like, is he kicking it or is he just stamping on it? But it just made me laugh. Um, but I guess this is what you do when you play football. Um, your, your thoughts on the, the, you know, the, the penalty, like the worst time to kind of concede the penalty anyway in general especially the fact that they actually had no sniff at the game as well. I think that was my initial frustration at it, the fact that they did literally nothing, and that was the only time they kind of came on to us as a whole. Um, but yeah, um, I think Tadeva hit the nail on the head there by uh, suggesting that, you know, um, Alison Becker is a completely unfazed goalkeeper, and he might have had a few ropey things in the you know beginning of the game, but completely, completely ironed them out in the game. And um, just, yeah, Alison Becker, what a week you've had.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, he's fantastic. I, I must admit, when when you were discussing, you know, is is he good at pe- saving penalties, blah, 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 blah. you know, because I always used to think that Pepe Rainer was a fantastic keeper for penalties and vice at Spurs. But actually, uh, Alisson's beginning to, he's made a few saves of late. Um, I think you're right. It, it is telegraphed. You've still got to make the save. He's, he was so calm about the whole thing. I think that's what I love about Allison. is it's almost like, well, yeah, we'll just save this or we'll just go and score. He doesn't seem to lose his rag. He doesn't get in the player's face and and you know try and sledge and put the guy off particularly. I just think he's like, okay, it's a penalty. Let's deal with it. He has got an amazing temperament. I think Joe Gomez, on the other hand, showed that he was naive. That he hasn't played for a long time. He was absolutely brilliant at the weekend, but I think this is what we see when you've got players that have been out for a long time. They are desperate to do well. This is his, this is Joe Gomez's chance. It's Carvalho's chance as well. With Jota, you know, it, it crocked for however. These these are these are young guys who've got a chance to establish themselves to to make a name for themselves playing with Liverpool, and and I'm sure. If you show or when Joe Gomez sees the clip, he's probably going to kick himself for being such an idiot for, like you said, brilliant. You know, trying to do, get, you know, get do the the Bobby Firmino celebration all the wrong way. Um, but but that's football, and I think this goes back to what we were saying with Darwin as well. Football is an emotional game. We get excited. The fact that we love the fact that Darwin missed that was one of the great moments of the match was the shot that he had that didn't go in the same thing with with joe gomez here the this isn't a workmanlike performance this is a performance of a club who are evolving of young men joining you know being finding their own way in the game they'll they'll have days when they do fantastic things but this is not FIFA. It's not. It's not the the the, the you know the day the computer game. It's it's not like that. We we don't move these players around with the, a joystick. We're watching them. They're emotional. They make mistakes. They save the day. They do something fantastic. And Alison Becker is probably the coolest head on that pitch, apart from the woeful passing in the first five minutes, where where it had me scribbling down Alison Becker's passing exclamation mark several times. But he was just immense, you know. I I love Alison. I I don't know why. Maybe it's maybe it's the 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 time here. It was late. I've been up many hours today. But I was like, Alison will save it, and he did. <laughs> and it was almost like I didn't enjoy the pleasure of him saving it because I'd been just so queued up for Alison will save it. He has that kind of. Uh, aura about him it was just brilliant it was a brilliant moment and it was so important we didn't concede because I still think we're psychologically frail as a side at the moment
2: I completely agree with you and those those you know those lovely shots that Nunes scored we would have actually been sat here thinking god damn if he'd scored one of them so you know what a crucial crucial moment in the game I couldn't agree more. I'm really intrigued. I mean, obviously we've come on here after, straight after the show. I'm really intrigued to see um, Moise's comments after that game because he's been quite feisty and tenacious about refs and VAR in general. And obviously he got a decision his way there. So, um, I, I I'd like to see what he rants about, um, after the game on that one. Or he might just concede and just say, you know what, whatever. I'm, I'm intrigued. Just putting that out there. Just a little side, little mental note for me there. Right, Tadeeva, I'm going to come back to you second half. You kind of touched on Jordan Henderson, um, being a bit more. Uh, you and John both touched on it that you know Jordan Henderson a bit more involved in the first half. I kind of saw like a lovely one too between um Hendo and Salah. Hendo F, Hendo's effort went over the bar, but then I felt like a little bit of sloppiness was kind of creeping into our first half, and it just became a little bit more open because I felt like we had West Ham quite contained. But in the second half, it looked a little bit more open. And then obviously Klopp makes his subs around about 56 minutes. And it's the Jurgen Klopp standard triple sub. Elliot Jones and Fab come on. Cavalho, Nunes and Thiago off. So just talk to me just in general about that whole thing and um, the subs.
3: Genuinely don't, don't know if there's any game state substitutions at the moment. It seems like these are written out before the game's even gone on, irrespective of what the score is. Certain players are coming off at certain times. Um, so it, it's always a nervy moment when it gets to those time stamps in the game and, and we're not far ahead of the, the, the other team. Because, yeah, I think the level certainly dropped off quite a bit, especially when Thiago came off um, and, and it made it a little bit nervy for us. In terms of sloppiness and stuff like that, I mean, the first thing to go when you are tired is sort of your mental side of the game. Maybe your passes aren't as crisp. Um, So I think maybe that plays a factor into it. They gave a lot in that Man City game. The players ran a lot. And not just running a lot, but the mental side of that City game must have been really intense. And I can just imagine the energy dump coming off of that. Yeah. And then having to play this game so quick afterwards. Um, yeah. So I I think that plays a factor in it as well is um, just the mental side of things. And, and as I said, I keep going back to the fact that this is just one of those games where you, you just need to get the three points on the board. You you can't, you can't begrudge them too much. Like you, you can't be too overcritical in, in this one for me, or that's certainly the approach I went with going into this game just because of the efforts they put in against Man City and then playing a West Ham side who, similar to us, we don't know what West Ham was pitching up today. They could have been, you know, definitely a more aggressive West Ham. Uh, And we've seen that kind of West Ham in the past. It just just so happened they didn't in this game. But, yeah, very nervy. Um, I seen the chap, Dave uh, Tattoo, says, yep, was frustrating and nervy. I agree with him there. Very nervy very frustrating but um considering the week that they've had i i can see where that's come from and i'm just happy that they were able to get it over the line and yeah it, i mean i don't know if you guys think the subs are as um sort of decided before the games as i think they are but it it definitely feels that way to me at the moment
2: I'd say yes. I think you're looking at players and you're looking at minutes. I mean, you know, again, you know, people... I think, John, I'm going to come to you because I think it's fair to say, like, obviously when Jurgen Klopp makes them subs, we notice a significant drop in terms of, you know, the the second half kind of changes. And you look at the subs that he brings on and, you know, he brings on um, an Elliot who... um, Harvey Elliot who went, like like Tadiva said, Got through a lot of work against Man City. Probably put in one of his best defensive shifts. Yeah? Fabinho, who played against Man City as well, who had a really, really great game. Again, you have to mind his minutes. I think, to me, he didn't have his uh, best game this game. I think it's fair to say. I felt like that midfielder was really getting massively overrun in the second half. And then Jones comes on, who has been injured. And this is literally his first sort of outing in the season, if my memory serves me correctly. But that, that, that is what you're going with because there are no other options. And, you know, and then you have to look at maybe, I want to get your thoughts on this, because then straight after um, Moise makes a uh, West Ham make a sub as well and they take off four nails and bring on Ben Rama and he starts causing problems on the right-hand side, instant attacking threat, you know, running at players, taking the ball, being a bit more adventurous. But it was, you know, those subs did, in my opinion, did change the course of the game. And not in a good sense, but I do agree with what um, Dave Tattoo said in the chat and what what um, Tadeva said, you know, West Ham are not an easy side. And, you know, sometimes you have to win ugly. And maybe this does kind of give them another, I don't know, maybe another um, form of confidence in the sense that, hey, you know what? We can still win even when we don't do to our best. We don't have to, you know, like the the win was mm. more important than the performance is what I'm trying to get at.
0: Mm. I think first and foremost, we needed to win, state the obvious. It would have meant nothing if we had beaten City and then lost to West Ham. That would would have been us back in the day. I think I agree with you. The substitutions do feel like... It's almost like uh, in in the summer period, um, mid-season, sorry, I'm just language is going in my head here you know uh, between the two seasons in the summer when they're playing all the friendlies it does feel like okay let's just change three players i felt the substitutes weakened us i felt that although bobby you know he was he was not leading the line but he was doing a lot of good work very quietly i felt that when bobby went off we lost something i felt that the the um it was great to see Curtis Jones come on. I wanted Curtis. I that was for me. That was what I was looking for, but I felt that the subs weakened us defensively. I felt that Robbo had to come off when he came off anyway, because, um, sorry, Samikas had to come off when he came off anyway, because he he looked physically shot actually. Mm. Um, but no, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It was almost like we'd thrown, I think, where we started the podcast, actually. By starting with the four strikers that we started with, it was like we had to get ahead in the match as early as possible and then do our absolute utmost to hold on to it without trying to attack and go for the second or third. Of course, we attack them. I'm going down a, an avenue the wrong way here. But what I'm trying to say is that and am failing, obviously, but I'm trying to say is I felt that we we set ourselves up to get ahead as early as possible to counter the effects of the tiredness that was going to come in. We'd thrown so much in the match at the weekend. Of course, it was going to be a, 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 a tough one today. West Ham are a big, physical, counter-attacking side who can hit you on set-pieces. And it always felt to me that a set-piece was going to be our undoing here if they were going to score. And I felt that with the substitutions he made, he undid the, uh, the, the, the coherency in the attacking that we had. So without Nunes, without Bobby, we really lost something up front and we didn't have anything to replace it with. So for me, the substitutions weak, weakened us, but I understood it completely. What else could he have done?
2: Yeah, Dave Tattoo here again, um, very, very um, vocal, um, it says um, subs were made far too early as well. In my opinion, I think it was just about managing minutes and not to have injuries. I mean, guys, what do you think? I think that's why he did it early.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We saw exactly what happened with Jota at the weekend. The the referee <laughs> played so much extra time that Jota gets it. What is it? It's 95 minutes that he, he pulls up.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, just massively, massively unfortunate for the guy. I mean, I think you've made a really, really good point there. Um, John and I'm going to come to Tadeva to on this because you know West Ham are a physical team and they are a counter-attacking team and obviously um that the Firmino and Shimika sub happened at 80 minutes but you know I think for me um uh where it turned a bit batshit and a bit more open for them was when um uh, you know Antonio comes on for them because we know that he's an absolute nightmare on the counters and I think bringing him in him on and um He was just, I think he he did have um, a few moments where he did scare us a bit. And, uh, you know, if Skamaka wasn't on his A game, you know, that could have been quite threatening and quite dangerous.
3: I think that's part and parcel of the tactic that West Ham would have gone into the game with is try and keep the game low scoring. And then we can always bring the pace of Antonio into the game. Because either, if if they do keep the game low scoring, either it's a situation like it was in the game where it's 1-0, To us, and maybe we're chasing that killer second goal still, and and, and Antonio gets chances, or it's nil nil, and then Liverpool have to go chase a goal to go win it. And then again, Antonio can come on and, you know, get us on the counter, or worst case scenario, we're losing one nil. We need to go get two goals. You bring on Antonio, and he can get on the counter. So I I definitely think they left that bullet in the chamber for that scenario. so yeah it, it it was inevitable that he was going to come on and be successful with the pace that he has against tied legs, with the amount of games that we're playing at the moment i yeah, I thought it was a bit of a no brainer from them to just keep him fresh and hope to to get him onto the field uh, onto the field to cause some sort of havoc um towards the end of the game.
2: Absolutely. And, and John, I'm going to come back to you and I want to get your thoughts in terms of like, you know, I'm, I'm being a bit dramatic here. I mean, because there were some moments where Liverpool could have gone ahead and around about 77 minutes, I think Zuma nearly scores an own goal, clips his own crossbar, lovely cross from Henderson there to, you know, tease it in and, you know, make, make hard work for the defender. You know, there was also an instance around about 83 minutes after the Bobby sub where, um, you know, Salah's basically pretty much threw on goal on Fabianski and Fabianski read the situation. Situation really well and just makes himself big and gets in the way and you know p- kind of um p- puts in a block on Mosala, you know reading the situation really well you know we had some moments as well where you know we we could have gone ahead it wasn't like the fact that we were just defending on the back heel
0: no exactly I think it was that stage in the match where Cliche of cliches, anything can happen. But it really did feel that, you know, West Ham could get a set piece and from a corner free kick level, or we could break that. It, it it, it, there, it, it, both things were going on. It, the game was becoming scrappy. It was end to end. We were holding on, although. Although I felt that we would win, it was all, I think I said to you before the show, so I was just coming back in, checking, are we holding on, are we holding on? Has something happened, has something happened? But I th- I think what gave me the confidence that even though we were missing, you know, that the, the things weren't going our way, I think that Virgil van Dyke, and I actually think Joe Gomez, Gomez had got over what had happened at the end of that first half. And I think it's worth noting that for a player coming back into the side, you know, after what happened against Napoli, after giving away a a penalty in the first half here, the narrative could have been very, very different. Joe Gomez could have been that fantastic defender at the weekend who, well, yeah, went back to type and messed it all up for the Reds uh, against West Ham. Gomez had he had he he was playing from calmness. He was playing with aggression. He was playing with playing with pace. He was doing some fantastic defending. He made it look easy as a defender, and I think that's the biggest compliment that you can ever give a defender because all that Royal Rovers uh, last ditch tackling etc cetera, etc cetera, that means you haven't read the game particularly well. Gomez in particular was excellent second half and in that that towards the end of the match, so I felt that we were safe even though west ham boy they've they've got some big guys up there you know antonio is a really <laughs> he's a really really tough guy wouldn't want to come up against him um yeah. and you know uh, the fact that we didn't kill the game off again goes back to it should i suppose it's been the theme of the podcast really we didn't have someone that could make a difference from the bench you know that was that it was very clear that none of the subs that came on were, going, were you know they they weren't the goal threats. We were still relying on the the guys that had been there since the first. The formation had changed. Uh, Nunes and Bobby had gone. Where was it going to come from? Mm, I don't know. Henderson. I thought that. I think that for me, actually, Henderson's chance towards the end was the the biggest clear cut chance that we had.
2: Yeah, it really was. And I'm going to come back to you, to Diva, because you know we talked about last ditch defending. Uh, Millie there at the end on 86 minutes. Absolute, um, uh, you know, the, the 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 Yorkshire Terrier or whatever, but um, incredible, um, defending from him. I'm glad that he kind of slid in and kind of did what he needed to do there, but you know, on on Sue um, but you know, again, you know, nervy, nervy moments till the end.
3: That's the thing, that's what happens when when the score is 1-0 and we don't have that firepower off the bench. Um, you you probably can see us going and getting a second or a third if you're bringing a Jota or a Luis Diaz off of the bench there. Um, yeah, fantastic from Milner. That's the role that he he thrives in. Yes,
2: he um,
3: does. and and he seems to to come onto the pitch every single game. So um, I think he's used to that now. Where you know if he's not starting, he's got ten minutes to come in and just empty the lungs. Um, and the game has sort of slowed down to his pace by by that time, so it's good for him. And look, if, if Firmino is the Michael Jordan in terms of this last dance um, thing that he's doing this season, Milner is Scotty Pippen at the moment. He's he's somehow reviving. I, I don't know what he's doing, you know, in in order to get that last bit of everything he can in this season and all of the good things. As long as that continues, if Firmino and Milner continue to play at the level they're playing at now, um, I think it will hold us in good stead because we know they're gonna play a lot of minutes this season. So yeah, I'm just happy that they're contributing in a positive way at the moment and long may that continue.
2: A great shout on James Milner coming on when he does letting some steam out of his engine and the game has slowed down to his um you know to to his pace. Um I'm just really, really gl- grateful that he kind of timed it to somewhat, you know, perfection because um, that could have been problematic. But yeah, um, guys, I think we pretty much discussed the majority of the, the meaty, chunky talking points of, of, of the game. Um, is there any final thoughts or anything you feel that needs discussing? Um, uh, I'll come to you, John.
0: I think... I think all lines would have been on Klopp as well this evening after all the discussions around his behaviour, what was going on between uh, Pep and, and Klopp and the referee at the weekend. So I, I actually thought it was—it seemed very, very quiet and business as usual at Anfield. And I think that's the, the most important thing, that the focus was on getting the result. We started off talking this evening about workmanlike performances. It wasn't workmanlike because we... We had to struggle. We, we did have to hold on to the, by the seats of our pants a little bit towards the end. But I think, I think later in the season, we'll just look back at this as a good result that builds on top of a fantastic result at the weekend. So it was good to see Klopp and, um, you know, behaving.
2: Yeah, can't really grumble at three points. And what about you, um, Kadiva? Any final takeaways from the game?
3: Thank God it was over and we won. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like it. I think that's probably summarized perfectly. I think every local support point feels the same way. Guys, a man of the match shouts. So, Tadeep, I'll come to you first. Who's your man of the match?
3: Ooh, man of the match. I, I guess, a, oh my word, that's a tough one. Because Alisson had a shaky start, but he saves the penalty. Um, you know what, I'll give it to Darwin Nunez I'll give it to Nunez um, Just the fact that he Had the, this like Excitement throughout the game um, Also, similar to Alisson, had some shaky moments But he gets the goal that wins us the game And his overall performance Was promising for me At a time when We're, we're losing forwards Every single game It's good to see that he's getting up to speed and is exciting and, and I think he's given Klopp the confidence to start him a lot more than he has in in previous weeks
2: I like it and what about you John?
3: Um, absolutely not Nunez uh,
0: although <laughs> you know <laughs> I think he's fantastic I think he's brilliant but I don't think he's man of the match for me for me man of the match is Thiago because he without Tiago, without that pass to Simikas that he plays in for, for Darwin, I, I don't think I don't think the goal happens. I don't think the chances happen for Darwin without Tiago owning that midfield. I think Tiago was fantastic because he was having to cope with an erratic Jordan Henderson. Uh, Jordan Henderson did some fantastic things, don't get me wrong, but as I, I talked earlier on, I was I was actually quite concerned by the captain's performance. Tiago brought the experience the skill that was you know the skill on show was just head and shoulders above everyone although Alisson was fantastic in making um you know make, making making the save of the penalty i i really felt that the sense of control the sense of liverpool's professionalism and being one of the top two sides in the uh, in the country because i do still think we are that came from you know, Tiago Ti- led the way there. Absolutely, I thought he was just—he was just m- majestic to watch.
2: You know what? You both both shouted out two players that I rate highly. I think Alison Becker would also be in the conversation. I'm going to go somewhere completely different, and I'm going to say Bobby Firmino because I just loved his little neat little passing. Um, it was probably something that I've been critical be of of Roberto Firmino for, but I felt like he was really, really pulling them strings in the attack. And, you know, his link up play with the strikers and the attackers, and even to some degree, Jordan Henderson in the second half. And I feel that when, when Roberto Firmino has one of those games where he's just pulling the strings and letting the more, you know, the more adventurous and more creative players. And he had a few shots as well. He could have had a few goals today, you know. Um, you know, so he don't quite taste him for a goal as well, but just like the final cutting edge. So for me, for the workload that he got through, I'm going to say Roberto mm, Firmino. And I noticed in the second half as well, he kind of started jumping a bit more into the midfield again when we were kind of getting overpowered and trying to press in there, which is something that you always see him do. So, yeah, I think we've all gone a bit different. Um, Listeners, let us know your man of the match. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Guys, thank you so much for listening. A massive thank you to Kevin, the caller, you guys that joined us live. And, of course, these two excellent gents who have absolutely kicked ass on this show but before i let them go i want to get some plugs uh to i will come to you first where can people find you on social media and is there anything you'd like to share with the listeners
3: uh yeah on twitter you can find me at tad predicts and i'll be recording a tad predictable on the sister site the epl index um mm-hmm. i've got young sports journalist riley finch on this week and we will be previewing the weekend games so that should be good uh, i think we record that on thursday so it should be out thursday late on thursday early friday at the latest
2: I do check that out to diva and um i know guide drinkle has been on and he's dreadful at um uh match predictions and things. Uh, so i wonder if he's, <laughs> he's close, the executive
3: producer so i have to be really nice to him
2: oh no, uh, yeah i love that i love that <laughs> yeah um you know keep keep guy drink all sweet and john where can people find you on social media and is there anything you'd like to plug
0: yeah people can find me on twitter at john buskell and the thing that i would like to plug and i'd really love people to do is i'd love people to retweet this show when it comes out on twitter because there are lots of football fans liverpool fans out there who probably don't see the tweets if they're not following anfield index and uh, the last couple of times that i've been on i've thought "Mm, i used to see lots more retweets and i think it'd be really good if everyone in the community who gets involved puts out a retweet because that helps the anfield index grow and i think that would be really good
2: really nice of you john and you know zero complaints from me here guys so yeah if you, you know if you do share we'd really really appreciate it and you know today the show is eight years old oh my gosh and you know it, and um it's all down to these excellent excellent guests and panels that we have on the callers and, of course, you guys that listen. So, you know, for my part, I just want to thank you for that, and I will. I, I really, really appreciate it. And um, you know, let's get her to ten years. Let's try, Nina, it. Nina,
0: Nina. Nina, you have to stop, right? Nina, the, the, the. You can't keep thanking everyone else. You have done for eight years. That is absolutely phenomenal. It's one of the high spots for people's week. When, when a Liverpool match it is played they will be looking for the nina cows so you know sorry shame on you nina you have to sort of stand back and go yes thank you i've done a fantastic job because you have
2: really really appreciate it but i i i just love them um, the interaction that i get on this show and you know discord has just made it so so great but guys thank you so much for listening i will be back post um Nottingham Forest, my gosh, we're really busy as well. Um, I'm sure a lot of podcasters will be pulling up with um, vocal injuries with all these podcasts. But guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, Take care. Till next time, up the reds.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show.